0: Coast 104.5, you are up in Adam in the morning. My name is Adam Montiel on the phone. I am thrilled to have on the air once again Dr. Penny Bornstein. She is the San Luis Obispo County Director of Public Health. It is great to talk to you. Thank you for making time in your busy day for us and uh, my audience here.
1: Thank you Adam. I'm glad to do it.
0: Okay, so you just mandated masks again. I know you take no joy in this. What's been the reverberations since this went into effect Wednesday? And goodness, what does your voicemail and your inbox look like right now? <laughs>
1: Uh, thank you for that. I, you know, certainly heard from quite a few people directly and indirectly. We still have a phone assistance center, um, as well as a, a general email box that is just getting a lot of feedback. And um, much like we are seeing in our society in general right now, of course, it's very divergent um, in terms of people's reactions to this have gotten of an enormous amount of gratitude from a lot of people and especially in the healthcare sector, which is what we really emphasized was the, the primary need for this because our healthcare system, especially our hospitals are really at the breaking point. And I did get quite a few emails asking for the evidence of effectiveness. So to that point, I just want to be really clear, I, I, you know, I have umpteen studies I can share with people, people want to find studies that validate their perspective. But um, I think if you ask any engaged scientists in the effectiveness of mask wearing as one tool to mitigate the spread of COVID vaccine, the evidence at this point is very clear. And I can say that as someone who didn't start out with that perspective. But we are now 18 months into this and more and more and more peer reviewed medical literature studies articles have made it abundantly clear that that face coverings masks especially very protective masks are very effective at at, at suppressing um, the ability of this virus to move between
0: people. Are you looking at, I mean, are these studies saying like N95s or the cloth masks that maybe have like, you know, a business logo imprinted on them or a surgical mask? Or is it just like, look, I mean, look, if they have these little gators, you just pull them over your face. Or are we saying literally any face covering is, it's it's doing something.
1: Yeah, no, so, so there, there's a variety of, of studies, and, and some have looked at N95, you know, the most protective respiratory um, masks, um, surgical masks. Um, there have been studies that have actually made comparisons between gaiters, bandanas, single-layer single, single layer fabric versus double-layer. Um, so the more protective, you, you know, the more fit-tested and protective the mask, the better the outcome is going to be. Um, But anything that is snugly fit, at least two layers of cloth worn consistently over the nose and mouth, um, is going to be very
0: protective. Now, I'm so curious and I'm so not envious of what you end up having to face and then go out and have to tell people, but when in the process do you say, okay, look, this is what we got to do. I don't want to. What's that straw? Maybe what was this straw that kind of breaks that camel's back? Is it numbers? Is it maybe the state saying we want this? Or what are you looking at that makes you go, okay, I'm making the call. So, um, in general,
1: throughout this pandemic, um Though I have concurred with, you know, the vast majority of decisions made at the state level, those have been made largely at the level of the California Department of Public Health. Uh, My peers, um, scientists, medical, uh, you know, physicians, um, people with expertise in public health, um, certainly in partnership um, with policymakers um, at the state level. But um, rarely have we in this county um, taken measures of a local order that goes beyond the state. Um, This is one of those rare occasions where I was looking at the situation on the ground in our county as distinct from statewide, um, and found that I I had to act at this point um, in, in large measure because our hospitals, as I said, are um, experiencing unprecedented demands on their system. Um, and what I mean by that is they are keeping patients in the emergency department who need an inpatient bed. They are canceling so-called elective procedures that are not actually elective. Like, you know, fixing a bone, like diagnosing fully a cancer diagnosis. Um, they're, you know, it, it is really worrisome and partly um, it is because their beds are filled with COVID and partly it is because their staffing has dropped off because the, the, those in the medical community are working to the point of exhaustion. So they don't have people working on the, you know, overtime shifts. They, they've had trouble filling vacancies, et cetera. So, um, so we cannot, if we want as a society to ex- our acute care system particularly our hospitals to be available to us when we have a traumatic injury when we're having a heart attack when your child you know needs a diagnosis for right. something unusual happening if our hospitals cannot be responsive we all lose and so that was the main reason for taking this action at this
0: time and we have dr penny bornstein she is the slow county director of public health we're going to come back we're going to talk vaccines and more, it's Coast. It's Up and Atom in the Morning. You're listening to Up and Adam in the Morning. Coast 104.5. Thank you so much for being Up and Adam in the Morning. Dr. Penny Bornstein is Up and Atom in the Morning. When you reflect not only on your job, but really this is so much deeper than when there is a pandemic going around, it's just so much heavier. What do you feel is like Personally, your duty to connect to, I mean, is it, is it just to keep us as safe as possible, regardless of concerns about other stuff? I mean, everybody's got an opinion, whether it's about, I mean, freedoms or opinions. But your role, do you literally, are you just so exclusively focused on what is just keep people healthy? Is that kind of, is that how you approach it with your lens?
1: Um, I do, but I would say that I take a very broad view of health. And so I've heard from many people, but what about the mental health of our children? What about the mental health of our adults, of our professionals? What about the economic health of our businesses? And my answer increasingly to that is yes, very much so I care about those things. And if you care about those things, as do I, the best way that we support the mental health of our children, that we support our economy and our businesses, that we have without repeated quarantines, et cetera, et cetera, is to get past this pandemic. And ultimately, the best way to do that is to use proven, time-treasured measures like vaccination and absent vaccination, you know, the other tools in the toolbox, the, the best next one is face coverings It's also social distancing It's also staying away from crowded places, especially if you're vulnerable, it's continued hand washing It's you know, all of those things put together, but it to, to just say, well, COVID is what it is. It's always going to be like this. So let's go about our business. And, and you know, people will just have to make their own decisions about how important their, you know, Um, continued living is um, that is not a societal answer, that is not a public health answer and it is my responsibility to to take on all of the healthcare needs of the community vis-a-vis COVID as well as being able to tend to other health conditions including the mental well-being of our society.
0: Well put, you know, in the beginning, as numbers were creeping up after we opened up and everyone had the opportunity to get vaccinated, the numbers were coming out that this was a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Are we still in that point? I feel we are, that this is still a pandemic of the unvaccinated, am I right?
1: Yeah, so with the Delta variant, which is way more transmissible, we have absolutely seen more breakthrough cases. However, if you look to counties that are very highly vaccinated, they have a higher proportion of vaccinated individuals among their cases, as well as among their hospitalizations and even their deaths. However, the numbers of people being impacted are considerably lower. So in that regard, it really is... Having only 60% of the eligible population vaccinated puts us at a much higher risk in this community than a more highly vaccinated. County. So, so in that regard, it is the unvaccinated population that is helping sustain this
0: pandemic. You know, we have a weird issue of late, and I've said this before. I am vaccinated. I really wish wish anyone listening would consider vaccination if if you can, if you're old enough. It's just it just makes sense. We've really been really forward and open with all the info as this has happened since you know like February of 2020, and we definitely encourage you to get vaccinated. I'm curious because I haven't seen this number directly. When I'm reading the paper, it's what I want to know. How many people have died uh, v- vaccinated in Slow County?
1: Um, yeah, so in total, across the entirety of our, I think, 284 or thereabouts deaths from this disease in our county, um, which I might add is relatively low per capita compared to some surrounding jurisdictions. I applaud um, our public health response and my team for some of that. Of the entire population of people who have died from COVID, it is four individuals who have died fully vaccinated. Those have all happened, obviously, more recently. And, and I would say that all four of those individuals had much higher risk of of having a bad outcome from having gotten
0: COVID. So if we're talking health issues, they're older, like we're talking about all the the bigger risks that surround COVID, right?
1: Yes, and on that point, I would say not, you know, in, in the early days, we reported all the deaths with this caveat of, oh, but they had underlying medical conditions. Right. Um, underlying medical conditions can mean anything from high blood pressure to, you know, liver disease or high cholesterol or, you know, um, things that put people generally at risk for earlier demise. But these individuals, when I, amongst the fully vaccinated who have succumbed to COVID-19, when I say significant, Other conditions, I'm talking about people with immunosuppression, someone Mm. being actively treated with chemotherapy drugs Mm. that puts them in a real vulnerability for a bad outcome.
0: Right. So we're not talking about your 38-year-old who's got pounds to shed or maybe a 48-year-old with blood pressure issues. We're talking about some severely, severely uh, unhealthy and, like you said, immunodepressed people and um, folks who are probably in that demographic of uh, who are a lot older as well. Uh, we got Dr. Penny Borenstein. She is the San Luis Obispo County Director of Public Health. We're going to come back with her uh, in just a few, some more questions after a busy, busy week. <laughs> get on up and get on up and
1: listen to Up and
0: Adam in the Morning. Thank you for being Up and Adam in the Morning. My name is Adam Montiel. We've been uh, certainly uh, blessed to have uh, Slow County Director of Public Health, Penny Borenstein, up and Adam in the morning to answer our questions. We're gonna have our final segment with her now. Boosters, what say you on um, boosters? Do we need them? When do we need them?
1: So I'm waiting for the subject matter experts in the form of the CDC's um, advisory committee on the immunization practices to to fully weigh in on that. As of yet, they have not made a formal recommendation on utilization or timing. booster doses i know that people have heard that they are recommended at the federal level um, but there is still dialogue going on by the scientific committee my personal feeling having looked at the raw data of immunity waning um, is that is especially true for older individuals and yet, with limited, you know, if not um, if there is limited capacity to manage immunizing everyone, should let's say under twelve year olds become eligible, we may be in a position where we have to, you know, once again triage who gets first next dose and and getting people that initial on vaccination. Um, may have to take precedence over getting boosters. So what I would say to the public about, you know, lots of people may be waiting for that booster. Um, you know, this is not an on off switch. Um, so if you wind up waiting for six months or eight months or possibly even longer, um, you know, it doesn't mean that your immunity is gone until you know you get that next booster. dose. So I'm asking people to hang tight, wait for national recommendations, and then we will be looking at how and the mechanisms and the timing of growing out that
0: opportunity for the bubble. Okay, I got a text about immunity, um, vaccinated immunity versus I caught COVID kind of immunity. You'll see some articles, mm. and again, I feel these articles get spun in a way where it's like, well, look, see if you get COVID, that immunity is even stronger than the vaccine. Talk about that a little bit, and then also, do you see uh, passports being a thing coming up soon? Uh, businesses, maybe even you know, mandated within a municipality, and is there some to vaccination passports versus say immunity passports what do you think
1: okay so the first question there is definitely research that shows that the level of immune response the antibody is higher post vaccination of the recommended one or two doses of the vaccine versus having gotten the disease that is not the case for every disease, but with this disease, it appears to be what is what is the experience of, of people who have gotten the disease having lower levels of immunity and waning immunity versus people who have gotten the vaccine. With respect to increasing requirements for vaccination in various settings, um, that is something that we've said all along is you know, a business has the legal right to do that. Um, it's their prerogative and and we may and we've seen at the state level, certainly in the healthcare sector, that is a requirement that is not inconsistent with other requirements for other types of vaccine, approved mm-hmm. FDA approved vaccines that have occurred over time. So I think we will probably
0: see more of that as mm. we move forward in time. Mm. Dr. Penny Bornstein, she's the uh, San Luis Obispo County Director of Public Health. It is um, my great pleasure to have you on. Thank you for explaining all this. Thank you for just answering plain and direct questions and getting down to it. And thanks for uh, to you and your team for your role in keeping uh, the numbers. You know, in our county, we're pretty much envied by a lot of counties around us because uh, our numbers have been a lot lower than the counties around us. So thanks uh, thanks for your time and thanks for your work.
1: Well, thank you. We have an incredible, knowledgeable, committed team here locally. I can't say enough about them. Um, and so I don't mind um, all the questions we get. It shows that people are engaged. They're thinking about this. They're hopefully making... Good decisions for themselves and their families. Um, and so I'm happy to keep answering
0: questions. Well, until we thank talk you. again, thank you. Thank you for being up and Adam in the morning, Doctor. All uh,
1: right. Thank you.
0: That's Dr. Penny Borenstein. Okay. Coming up next Friday rolls on, we will uh, give off this last pair of tickets for
1: tomorrow's concert, Counting Crows at the Vita Robles Amphitheater. It's next. Up and Adam in the